scheduled in the bottom of the ninth. Look out! Oh, my goodness. The 0-1. Oh, that got him, and it got him in the face. Oh, my goodness. Well, after the little oh, okay. practice. There we go. There we go. So that's it. Hello and welcome. You're up and in with the Chin Music Podcast. I am Nick, your host. Today, we're going to have probably a little bit of a shorter show. Um, there's not a whole lot. Well, I guess there's a lot going on in baseball, but it's just Vansel and I today. And I guess I will introduce him now. He's the greatest Valorant player on the west side of the Mississippi. It's a shame he's had to turn down offers from every Valorant esports team so he could remain fully committed to our dynasty fantasy baseball league. Please carry me out of bronze, Vansel. Vansel, I am curious. Do you have any more business proposals for us today? You know, that's a very good question, as I did have one that I wanted to share for you and our podcast family of listeners. Uh, This one came to me today where I don't really know what made me think of it, but picture, you know, how Roombas, they, they vacuum your house on their own. They have the sensors to let them know when they're like, they can't go in that direction anymore, right? Yeah. So picture that, but for a lawnmower, so then you didn't have to go and mow your lawn. And then I imagine some sort of like, you know, dog shock collars. They have like a range before it kicks in, something like that. So it tells you the range, and then it kind of just goes back and forth mowing your lawn. The sensor lets it know when, you know, let's say you've got – uh, a bird fear in your backyard lets you know when it's about to go into that, avoids that, and then you know, mows your lawn for you. All you have to do is uh, empty the the waste clippings. I Thought. am hate to be the bearer of bad news. Yeah, but I do believe this has already been invented. I for really? uh, was at the Newport Beach Library studying for finals last semester mm-hmm. and i'm almost certain they have one there there was something that looked like it, it looked like a roomba it was like twice the size of a roomba or maybe even three times yeah. the size of a roomba but it looked super similar mm-hmm. and they have like this lawn and it was going back and forth on the lawn the grass d- wasn't super long to begin with yeah so i couldn't really tell that it was cutting the grass but i imagine that's what it was doing you know, maybe I'll have to do a little research then and yeah, confirm if it is a thing or not. You could be a competitor, though, because I do know that this device, because it was I was at, like, the lawn of a library, and somebody was, had, like, a blanket out, and they were laying out and reading a book. And this Roomba was, like, ruthless and just went, like, started going right toward them, was not slowing down at all. Like, they had <laughs> to, like, pull their blanket up and run away. It was quite funny to watch but i imagine like if they hadn't been paying attention or like sleeping or something it could have actually been kind of bad so maybe yeah you could uh compete with them on uh safety safety uh features you know i did just do a quick google and you know there's a the auto mower is proud to be the world's leading robotic mower so i guess that idea is gone but i'll tell you one we had a in my business class uh, freshman year of high school. Uh, I don't think I've seen this one, but 
a snow shovel that has like different layers where it like slots in it. But basically you slide it out of like the center one. So then it's like a really long snow shovel basically that can fold up and slide within itself to store about the same size as a normal snow shovel, but then has like other handles that you can clip on. So you get like five people and boom, just like one push gets like a two car driveway or something, or maybe two pushes, something like that. I see what you're saying. I had a drawing of it done that I don't think I have anymore, but <laughs> like with the oh okay, so it'd have to go like out horizontally, I imagine, right? The handles. Yes. Or the handles like don't attach. Yeah, they like you'd have to put them on after. But I'm thinking like the blade of the shovel slides within itself, so then it it stores easily because you you know you don't just want like a 15 foot long shovel, right, right. That you have to store. And then, oh, like, I see what you're saying now. So they yeah, line up and, like it's like it's tug of war, but you're pushing instead of pulling type deal on a shovel. Yeah. Okay. You know, just picture if you had five shovels like lined up in a row, but right. the blades of those shovels slide in to the center sh shovel for storage, and then the handles can detach. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I could I could see that it'd have to be pretty heavily snowed place I suppose. Like, is yeah, even I mean, I guess in Kirksville. Yeah, I, I mean, Midwest like gets snow. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Just makes it convenient because I mean, I was thinking, at that time, you know, I had a driveway that I would have to be in charge of shoveling if there was a snow day um so i was like man what would make this a lot easier if a shovel was wider but then i was like well you can't just have one person like pushing that much snow so if you you know you can get like two or three people you know you can slide out you know limited amount of blades so if there's only like three people available you only have the three handles attached you know you're not going to get it as wide but you're doing three shovels worth, we'll say, at once versus one shovel's plank. Yeah, could be a game changer. I think so. <clears throat> one of my friends, when I was younger, I remember told me a business proposal of theirs. And mm -hmm. basically, it was like a business proposal website where you'd go onto the website and you type, like if you have a business idea, mm -hmm. it would like, pull up if there's like a patent for it already or if there's like like somebody's already doing it yeah so this sounds like a good idea in and of itself right however yeah. what his website would be is that it would just tell everybody that yes there's a patent for this device and then he would just get a list of all of the business ideas and then he would just steal the ones that were really good seems a little uh scummy i guess it is stealing scummy. people's ideas but doesn't like the u.s patent office in theory like wouldn't they have a website that you could look at patents almost certainly yes but when he said it i was young at the time but when he said the idea i was like that's brilliant you now the direction i thought you were gonna go with that was something similar to fiverr 
where you get your idea and let's say, you know, you can, you have like, but so that's snow shovel type thing. I don't really have the capabilities myself to really whip up some kind of like prototype we'll say. So I was thinking you were going to go into like a, a fiber website where someone who does have those skills can like be like, Hey, here's your prototype. And like, oh. there's some kind of agreement where you can't steal their idea whenever you sign up for the website. Yeah. But they still get some sort of compensation. I like that idea a lot yeah. too. Maybe yeah, this podcast cool. will have to shift on the off season to just be a brainstorming business plan just, just idea. A business idea brainstorm. I, I love that idea. And then maybe we can talk about football every now and then. Cause my other question I was going to ask you is who's your number one waiver priority week one. Week one. Um, you know, I've been getting some waiver claims in for uh, Kyron Williams of the Rams. Okay. Cam okay. Akers had like 22 touches or something like that in their first game, but only had like 29 yards. And uh, yeah, Kyron Williams, I think, had like 15 plus like two touchdowns and was more efficient. So he's he stood out. Uh, and there was a wide receiver that I like. Not him. No, what? it's not a Rams good. I am a big fan. Well, of I had some – the league that I put in the claim for, I, I was deep at wide receiver. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think maybe it was uh, – I haven't Joshua Kelly of the Chargers. Oh, yeah, that's a good grab too. Because, yeah, I mean, they had pretty split touches between him and Eckler. I feel like the Chargers always do some kind of split because it seems like, like Melvin Gordon always had to split with Eckler, and then Eckler has been splitting with – whatever other running back has been there too. It's never just yeah. a true RB1. It always seems like RB1A and 1B almost. Yeah, I like that call too. I think Josh Kelly looked really good. Um, and Kellen Moore, their new offensive coordinator, used to be offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys mm. obviously used two backs a yeah. lot in their history. So, yeah, I don't, I don't hate that call at all. But the one thing I will say about that is that uh, apparently – Eckler got hurt in this last game, and a lot of Josh Kelly's carries came as a result of that. And they don't think that Eckler's injury is serious. So that could still. Hurt. But I, I like Pukunikua a lot. I think yeah. rookie, like fifth rounder, a lot of people liked him out of the draft and thought he was kind of a steal where the Rams got him. And going I, off like that in his first game. Mm-hmm. I guess my initial thought would be um... – once Cooper Cup comes back, then. Yeah, I, I see that for Kinda sure. But also, some. like, who, who, he, there's no other pass catchers in the offense, you know? And he, he, yeah. he's, out, he's an outside guy, and Cooper Cup is a slot. I think that, especially the way Matt Stafford looked in week one, I think he could definitely. Um, yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad pickup. And by any means, I just think that, like, once Cooper Cup comes back, you know, Cup gets a lot of volume in there. Yeah. He's not going to, I don't think he'll see 15 targets once Cup gets back. But also, like, who knows when Cup is coming back with the injury. So, yeah. there's a lot. I think if Anthony Richardson, he's probably, is it Anthony Richardson? That's his name, right? Yeah, the Colts rookie quarterback. Yeah, he looked good. And obviously, I don't think he's probably available in any leagues, but he is. He needs to be yeah, wrapped. He is. His passing looked better he did than look good. I've almost ever seen him. 
But he also did get a little banged up at the end of the game. Oh, you're right. You're right, because Gardner Minshew came in and finished that game off. Yeah. I don't think it was anything serious, because, like, he was around. I saw around post-game talking to Trevor Lawrence, but, you know, mobile quarterback that's trying to use his size. You know, you never really know duration. My roommate is a big Colts fan, and I watched a lot of that game, and he did get beat up a lot. Mm-hmm. He was not sliding very much and doing a lot of running and was getting hit. No. Remind me a little bit of Cam Newton. Yeah. I mean, I thought, I mean, he was throwing really well. Well, yeah. I shouldn't say really well. Like, he, he missed some throws pretty bad, but I, I still think he looked a lot more polished than a lot of people expected him to. Mm-hmm. All right, now uh, we talked about football. Let's do a little <laughs> content updates. What kind of content did you absorb over the last week or so? I've been watching a decent amount of uh, Welcome to Rexham, which is the documentary series on Hulu about Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds buying the uh, soccer team Wrexham located oh. in Wales. Yeah, I've been seeing some yeah. clips. It looks interesting. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's not just about all about soccer. You know, it kind of uh, goes into, like, the history of the town of Wrexham and how, like, historical of a town and soccer team it is because it was one of the you know, uh, oldest soccer teams, their stadium, but they played as – I believe they said it is the oldest international soccer stadium. And they used to be in um, the top division of English football before they've been on a, a downward spiral spiral and like the some previous ownership groups were not in in it for the right reasons, you know, it was more of a buy it and sell it for profit kind of thing not really trying to win soccer games. So it's interesting to kind of see them build it back up and the different challenges they face since, you know, they have more attention and they can bring in bigger names because of the fact that they're Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney and they're putting in more money. But also, you know, there's a lot more pressure on them now to get promoted and whatnot. So I'm a... Still in season one of that, but getting towards the end, and it's been interesting. I've I've enjoyed it. Is it going? So I imagine the season, or if it's following a season or anything like that, like all that's happened in the past, right? So, like if it's yeah. I don't know, like like what's the F one series Drive to Survive or anything like that? Yeah. Like when you're watching that, like you pretty much know what happens with the team, right? Yeah, uh, I mean, in this case, I do because I believe they bought the team and started making the documentary in 2021. But their new season, like they're they're still coming out with new seasons, and I believe that new one premieres relatively soon. And it's more than just like, here's what happened in this match. It's like get to know this player and kind of what goes into being a soccer player at this level, you know me go in depth with uh, the fans and like what they do because 
a lot of the since you know, being in it was like League Two, which is the lowest level of professional soccer. Whenever they bought the team in England, um, they didn't have a lot of money, so there were actually a lot of volunteers that uh, were working at the stadium, and volunteers were like basically running the team. So it was a uh, you got to learn more about them. And like some of the diehard fans came to know kind of their lives and really the like how the people of Wrexham and these fans it just their whole lives pretty much revolve around Wrexham soccer. So. That's wild to think about. Like the, they're in the lowest of the low league, mm-hmm. <laughs> and this whole town is like volunteering to keep you know their games running and. Like you said, like their lives revolving around the team. I think that I mean that sounds like fun, but that's just that's crazy. Yeah, it's a it's a good watch for sure. I've I've enjoyed it. It's I feel like um, they do a good job, you know, because their target market was like the Americans and whatnot, not the people over in. England, so they do a good job if you don't really know soccer of explaining the rules and some of the the language that is unique to to soccer. Mm-hmm. So you're not just kind of completely lost. And really, it's like yes, it revolves around soccer, but and they show you like highlights from the games, but really, it's it's almost like the impact that you know whenever they they buy or sell a player, like what that has on the team and the fans and all the expectations. Yeah, that sounds interesting. So so I guess you know what a boot is then? Oh, no, we lost him. Oh, he's coming back in. All right, we've got him back. That was almost detrimental to the podcast we almost had a nick a nick monologue here yeah i accidentally hit the uh in call button on my earbuds oh no yeah so try to not do that again did you hear what i asked uh i don't think i did not i asked because you said you were learning all the soccer terminology i said so i guess you know what like a boot is for boots yes i mean it's not so much like the the equipment, but like the terminology, like, for example, like a pitch, basically, it's like almost like the the European slang for a field um, instead of like stuff like that. But whenever uh, one of their players says that, it's like, this is what it means. This, you know, this is the offsides rule almost and stuff is, like that. Is Ryan Reynolds like heavily featured in it? Yeah, both Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney play a, you know, they get interviewed a lot and it follows them watching it. I've noticed more of uh, Rob McElhenney than Ryan Reynolds, but I mean, both of them play a big part. And what is it like? Hulu. Well, I might have to, uh, I might have to check that out. Any other any other content you've been absorbing? Uh no, I think the last time I was on, 
who I mentioned, Archer. Um, that's kind of been the show. Some Always Sunny here and there. And then, you know, the basic stuff. Good, good. Bob does sports. Uh, I think I'm, I'm, not new sure. golf I'm not what? sure. I'm not sure I know what those are. Uh, they're both uh, YouTube channels. Good, good. is uh, Both of them pretty much all all golf channels where they just kind of make golf content good good we'll do like various challenges within themselves like make their own golf games almost like you remember that time that we played wolf i think you were the one that told me the rules to that oh lone wolf yeah yeah so basically there's five of them and They've never played Lone Wolf, but it'll be like games like that, or they'll have their own like mini majors where they play 18 holes to see who wins. And Bob does sports. It's more of a comedy YouTube channel centered around golf because like two of them are not that good at golf. And so they're, they're more just entertainers, I would say, that just happen to play golf. So, yeah, they're... They're fun to watch if you like watching golf YouTube, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I can't say I'm well-versed in golf YouTube world. I don't really watch much golf generally. I got I got on it when, like, back when Tiger was on it and good, and he was, like, he, like, won the Masters and stuff, and I, I watched it when he kind of had that comeback, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, it's kind of hard for me to get into it i guess i don't know i mean i do like it when i watch it but i mean this is more fast-paced and it's not like formal golf you know it's yeah yeah it's more light-hearted kind of you know we'll say a younger demographic yeah i would say like it's uh, um who's what's the the baseball youtuber juco bandit i believe is his name Oh yeah, I would say he's he's in a similar space where it's like he does Juco Banda will be like, can I do the Shohei Otani challenge where I like he'll pitch into a simulator, hit off a pitching machine that replicates Justin Verlander or something, and it'll be like I have to, you know, do do this and this to win the challenge. That's what he does. And then I feel like they're, it's a similar to that, but only around golf for good, good and Bob does sports. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I might have to look into that baseball guy. Cause I would watch that. Yeah. I've seen more of his stuff on, like I'll get recommended it on Instagram. I haven't really seen a ton of his YouTube videos, but, um, like Trevor Bauer has been on his channel frequently because I think um, his Trevor Bauer's agent is friends with the guy that the Juco bandit guy. So like Trevor, he faced Trevor Bauer in a live batting practice session. I assume he played Juco. Is that why that's his name? Yes, I believe so. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Well, in terms of uh, content that I've been absorbing, I guess I just watched a lot of football this last weekend. Uh, I'm a Cowboys fan, so that Sunday night football game was incredible to watch. I also started Cowboys defense and fantasy and literally won the week because of it. I won the week by like four points, and the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys defense got me 37 points, so I needed every bit of their defensive yeah. performance, which uh, feels great. But I also had Aaron Rodgers in two leagues, so that is painful. Also, it's just painful seeing him play four plays and then, mm-hmm. like the Jets were going to be such a fun story this year. But so that's yeah. kind of um, other content. I guess uh, the new Olivia Rodrigo album. Um, I uh, I gave it a good listen. It's it's very good. Um, I'm I'm obviously a fan of the two singles that she released, Vampire and Bad Idea, right? Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just it's just a solid album. She's a lyrical genius. Yeah, <laughs> and, and a Chelsea supporter if you're getting into soccer. And a Chelsea supporter. I don't know how much uh, of a Chelsea supporter she is, but I sent you that. Uh, Where she like had a jersey on or went to the game or something. Yeah, she like went to a match and one of the players gave her a custom Chelsea jersey. Nice. Nice. Are there any uh, any players that you haven't been able to stop watching this last week? Um, you know, Baseball-wise, in Rockies. general, I always try to I try to turn, tune into some Wainwright starts just because his big milestones. But I haven't really been watching a ton of baseball, honestly, just because with the Cardinals being out, I'm like a, sad to watch baseball knowing that we're terrible Ooh, but you know what speaking of Wayne right you know he's in line for his 199th win right now I am I do well I do I've I was watching that watch his start I've always I thought it has been interesting because like he'll occasionally I feel like pick a play from the Rich Hill book where he like completely drops down and changes his arm angle to throw his his curveball is like in the however many years Adam Wainwright has pitched, I've never seen him do that. So it's interesting, you know, pitchers have to adapt as they get older, lose their velocity. So it's interesting to see him resort to new things since he's really just struggled lately. But yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's just, it's been a rough year watching him play. Yeah. I won't lie. Like, whenever the Cardinals play and Wainwright's not starting, it's like we're almost just playing for nothing at that point. It's like, let's see some of these young guys play. But, like, when Wainwright's starting, it's like, all right, we actually, you know, it feels like a real baseball game again because it's like, all right, we let's win it for him. Yeah, and you got to feel like the players have got to feel that too, I, I imagine. Absolutely, which, you know, I feel like our offense still, even with all these struggles, I feel like in general our offense is – been solid but over the past like five starts prior to this one he's gotten like seven runs runs of support behind him so it's like maybe there's just a little more pressure in those starts and that's why we don't see the offense show up for him i couldn't agree more about our offense like honestly our offense has not been that bad you know it's not the problem i would put in top third of baseball yeah no i agree like even if i have like a 
pitcher going in fantasy and is going up against the Cardinals, like I still look at that like, oof, like that's probably not that great of a matchup, you know? Mm-hmm. I agree. So, yeah, I don't know. Our offense is definitely not the problem. I wonder if we're going to go out and get any big free agents or anything this summer. Only time will tell. Yeah. The players that I cannot stop watching are uh, the Braves, unfortunately for me. I'm in two semifinals. I don't remember if I talked about this last week at all, but and this kind of leads me to another question, actually, for you. Um, so I am in two semifinals, and both of the teams that I'm playing have, I want to say, but let me see if I can't look and find it exactly. Yeah, I'll, both of them have like three or more Braves on the teams that I'm playing against. So I'm playing against mm-hmm. this week. I'm in two semifinal matchups. I'm playing against Sean Murphy, Matt Olson in both leagues, Ozzie Albies in both leagues, Ronald Acuna, Marcelo Zuna, and Michael Harris. I'm playing against them all. And they've all been ridiculous. First of all, Matt Olson has hit seven home runs on me in both semifinal matchup, which is <laughs> That's unfortunate. Um, but my thought is, and it's, it's this way in a couple of my leagues, I think, three of my leagues this year, at least three of them, maybe even all four, some of the best teams all have, like, at least three Braves. So I wonder, when I'm going through draft season, and I, like, and on my best team this year, I have Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of times in my draft because when I took I took Mookie Betts in the first round and then the second round or no I took Freddie and then Mookie I think I can't remember exactly what it was but I was like pick 10 or pick 11 and got Yeah there. kind of at the turn. Yeah. And uh I remember when the other one fell to me I was like well do I really want two Dodgers on my team like I kind of had that thought and I always do kind of have that thought but all of the good teams that I've been seeing this year have a lot of stacks. Like they've got multiple Dodgers, multiple Braves, you know, mm-hmm. like, is that, I know obviously there's like the fantasy football stack where you benefit from the quarterback and the wide receiver. Yeah. Kind of, Cause you get the double points on plays and stuff, but I guess just like trying to stack up a good team like that in baseball like, it builds on itself. Like, obviously, the Braves have been ridiculous this year. And every time Matt Olson hits a home run, there are two guys on base in front of him because the team is just so good. So if you just get all of them, then all of their numbers are boosted. I don't know. And I, at least from this season, it looks like an optimal strategy of just stacking as many Braves you possibly could. Yeah, I don't think that it's it's necessarily that you want to stack a bunch of players on one team. It's more of, you know, valuing guys and good offenses more. Because like you said, when Matt Olson hits a home run, there's going to be two guys on base. But if Matt Olson was still on the athletics, let's say that trade never happened, he could still be having those same numbers. Like he could still have 50 home runs, but you know, there's going to be less people on base. Plus, you know, there's no one behind him protecting him either. So I think it's more of just getting a share of a good offense because, you know, they're going to – there's there's going to be guys behind 
Freddie Freeman protecting him. And there's going to be guys in front of him getting on base more than if they were on a bad offensive team. So that's kind of how I look at it more of versus like a, a stack in the sense of fantasy football where it's like, you know, if uh, you have Mahomes throwing a touchdown to Kelsey, that's just like you get the touchdown, like basically double value. Yeah, and I guess the way that you said it makes sense. So, like, obviously, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, if you're trying to pick between Arenado and Jose Ramirez, which isn't a perfect analogy because Jose Ramirez runs a little bit, but, like, Arenado kind of gets the nod because he's going to be in an offense that's scoring a lot more runs type deal. Is that how you kind of evaluate it? Yeah, or even, like, we'll say, like, O'Neill Cruz next year versus Ellie De La Cruz. The Reds are probably going to have a better offense with all these got young guys coming up versus the Pirates where it's like they only have like a few guys. So yeah. you know, lineup's not going to turn over as much too whenever you have a struggling offense, so less ABs. Or even like a Mike Trout if he stays on the Angels whenever like Shohei leaves and who knows what they're going to do with uh, – Built, trying to build around Mike Trout if he ends up staying. You know, I never really thought about that aspect of it, the lineup turnover. Like, I wonder at the end of the year how many more at-bats a guy like Matt Olson is going to have. How many more at-bats is Matt Olson going to have than Jose Ramirez? Yeah. I imagine mm-hmm. it's probably a lot. Yeah. And I, I mean, that probably matters more than in a – Roto League, where the season-long stats build versus a weekly matchup. Right. Because right. in a week, you're not going to see as much of that. But, I mean, it still comes down that there's going to be more people on base for Matt Olson than Jose Ramirez. Yeah, and I guess my thought turns to a guy like Eddie Rosario, too. Like, Eddie Rosario, it looks like I'm looking at ESPN. It says he's the 23rd-ranked outfielder this year. And, like, yeah, he's hit 20 homers. Like he's 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 hit 21 homers. He has three steals and is batting 260. Like he's mm-hmm. he's just he's the definition of just a guy. Yeah. But he has 61 runs and 70 RBI. Plus, like he hasn't even like he's not played every day either. Right. Too. I mean, when you he's, have a lineup that deep, from looking at it from a pitcher, there's no relief where it's like all right i get through these two guys you know they're seven eight nine it's like i don't need to have a hundred percent focus and whatnot because they're just not as good but in the braves lineup you know one through nine can do a lot of damage so it just mentally and can physically drain a pitcher a starting pitcher more so then whenever they're going through that second and third time through the through the order they're going to be more drained than, you know, going through the second and third time of the athletics lineup. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, the Braves is, are at the point where if I ever have a pitcher going against the Braves, it almost doesn't matter who the pitcher is. I'm not playing it. Like if they yeah. have, if, if it's a weekly lineup league and they have one start against the Braves, like I'm looking for other options. Yeah. 
even if it is like a uh, Blake Snell? Well, I think yes on Blake Snell. I don't know. I, I don't think he's – he walks too many guys, and I think you get into a lot of trouble if you're trying to do that against a team like the Braves. I'm trying to think. I had a pitcher this week that I sat that has one start against the Braves, and I remember looking at it like, oh, maybe I could start in, or maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Did I play somebody with one start against the Braves? No. Okay, I don't know what it was, but – I remember being concerned. Like if you if you just see one start against the Braves, it it feels kind of bad. They just their yeah. their team is just on another level right now. Yeah, I agree. Potentially in a a cheating scandal level. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I I think I don't think they're cheating, but I will say that the one bummer about this Braves team. Well, first of all, I'm playing against them in fantasy right now, so that's a bummer. But I think they're super likable all across the board, except Ozuna. I think Ozuna is ruining the likability of that team. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. But, you know, the last really good team that you called likable... Was, in fact, cheating. Yes. And, you know, I've seen some stuff on Twitter where it's like, when this Braves cheating scandal comes out, it's going to be crazy and stuff like that. You know, nothing serious, but just kind of all jokes just because of how good their lineup is and, it and has the numbers they're ridiculous. all putting up. I mean, Matt Olson, I don't understand. He has seven homers in the last nine days. Like, he is absurd. He's so good. He just crushes the ball every single time. Yeah. All right. All right. Enough, enough Braves talk. I'm getting upset because – they're just raking on my fantasy team. Um, next up we have, it's just a little bit of tea around the league. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the Manoa news. Um, I did. Alec Manoa got sent down to AAA. I believe it was on August 9th or 10th. Mm-hmm. Um, and technically, I know when a player gets sent down, they have like, quote unquote, a month to report. And I think the idea is, I don't know, I guess like being sent back and forth the team. Like I know in the agreement between the players and the team, when a player gets optioned, they have a month to report to the minors. Yeah. And we've just come up on this month and now news reports are starting to break that like Manoa never showed up. Yeah. I thought it was like August 11th. He was supposed to show up and he never did. And now the reports are coming out. Either way, either way, he got optioned and was pissed and didn't show up. Yeah. So, what what does this mean for Manoa and his future? I'm trying. The last person that did this was Clint Frazier, who obviously was in a lot different place in his career than Manoa was. Manoa had Cy Young votes like last year. Was it not? Two years ago? Probably. So, it's just. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's just wild. Like, I don't know what this means for Manoa. Like, I don't know if the Blue Jays are ever going to want to play him again. Like, yeah, I mean, play. it definitely damages the relationship that they have. Um, if you're trying to get him as a trade candidate, it's, you know, can affect his trade value now. Not that, you know, he has a ton right now, but in any kind of future 
dealings that involve him. People are going to point out that and ask for a lower price because of that. I don't know. It's it's just a weird mentality to have. But I mean, I feel like that just points to like him not even knowing like what's going on. I feel like it's just a sign of how defeated he is. Yeah, and I don't know. I guess I do kind of feel for him. Like he was incredibly good the last two or a year and a half, I guess, before this one. Two of his last six starts were quality starts. He was striking. He had six, six, five, six strikeouts in his last four starts. Like to get sent down to AAA when he is seemingly kind of starting to get a grasp on things. I guess the the position the Blue Jays are in is tough because obviously they're like on the cusp of the playoffs. Yeah, they can't just be throwing so guys they, out there hoping that they figure it out when they're fighting right. for their playoff spot. Right. Yeah, so I guess you're right. He's he's not in the right. I mean, he's in the right for being upset, I guess, that he's kind of yeah. in like a tough situation, but he needs to just show up to the minors and play in the minors, like figure it out down there. You have a chance. Yeah. Good. I feel like it's similar to the George Kirby incident recently where he went out in that seventh inning, gave up the two run game tying home run. And then in the post game conference, he was just like, I don't know why I was sent back out there. Like I was at 90 pitches. I should have been put out there. And yeah, it's just like, that. that's, I feel like that's not the mentality you want from your guys. You know, you want them to be facing any kind of challenge going and taking the ball. So, you know, if the guy's like not pitching up to the standards that you want him to and you send him down to try to figure it out, you don't just want to uh, see them give up and just not do anything where whenever you're sending them back out there. To just be like, why am I being sent out? Like, that's that's just not a competitive mentality that bodes well. Yeah, you know, baseball is that. a game of failure. So if you can't handle those failures, it can definitely uh, eat at your mentality and really compound issues. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that quote from George Kirby, and that's crazy. Like, imagine Scherzer ever saying anything like that. Like, he ne- like never. No. I mean, I feel like just any major league baseball player, that's just so uncommon. Yeah, do you think it's a generational thing, or do you think it's just George Kirby is, like, interesting and unique in and of himself? I feel like it's just a George Kirby thing. And maybe it was more of he was just frustrated with himself and looking for something to blame. Because I feel like he kind of walked back those comments the next day. I thought I saw where he might have just said that where he was just frustrated. But I I don't think it's a generational thing. Yeah, because I guess he wasn't saying it. I guess if he had gotten hurt and was saying something like that, that would because my thought is that like, I don't know, the new generation of baseball is more health conscious in terms of pitching and like not obviously throwing 120 pitches every single time you go out. I guess, but I feel like that's more of a management thing, not a player thing. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. analytics show, like, don't go through the third time. You know, when people reach this pitch count, this is what happens. Not a, a player's like, hey, I'm at 93 pitches. Don't send me out. I don't want to pitch. I mean, yeah. me personally, whenever I was playing, I never wanted to get pulled. I never, yeah, I never knew my pitch counts. Yeah. But like. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, I think he was just. I think in both cases, it's just frustrated. In the George Kirby sense, he was just venting. In the Alec Manoa sense, he's just extremely frustrated. Yeah, so I guess... Just very unhappy with the way this season panned out. And it's just... I mean, it's such a grind that when all of this is happening, it's... It can be tough to stay motivated. Yeah, I mean, this season has been worst-case scenario for Alec Manoa. Like, it can't get any worse than it's been. No. Just a complete 180. What do you think uh, a guy like his agent is telling him? Like, do you think he's... I don't like because obviously his agent, I'm sure, wants him to show up AAA and keep trying to work. Yeah. Or do you think his agent is like, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. It's it's tough for me to think about that relationship. I mean, an agent, you know, they get paid a percentage of the contract, so you would you would want their their value to be as high as possible. So I'm sure his agent isn't like. Hey man, just abandon all of this. This is gonna help restore your value. An agent would say, "All right, let's get to work at AAA. Prove, prove why you should be worth right. worth your money." Right. Well, I guess an agent is maybe like obviously he's gonna be a little biased in that sense. But what about like a family member? Like if you're Alec Manoa's brother right now, I mean, I, I'm sure you'd probably say the same thing. Like. Like, yeah, I mean, I could see how if you're just like a, I could see if you're just kind of like a, this is crazy, like absurd, like they don't deserve you kind of thing. Right. Then yeah, I could see those voices in the ear. But because like my my thought is like when he's doing this, if he really hasn't like he got sent down over a month ago and hasn't shown up, like who's in his camp that's telling him that this is a good idea. Yeah. Right. Or do you think uh, he's like just not talking to anybody? I mean, I'm sure he's. I mean, obviously, someone has to support. It. I don't think you're just going out on your own. Like he might have made the decision, say I'm doing this, and then people are like, "Yeah, man, like, do what yeah, feels yeah. right to you." But right, right. Maybe, maybe he took it into his own hands to shut himself down. Take yeah, a and, mental and maybe hiatus. Yeah, maybe. He is just doing a mental hiatus. I don't know. It's just, it's just, I just feel like he's got to be in a tough spot. It'll be interesting, I think, next, like, come pitchers and catchers report next year. Like, you know, does he come into camp? Like, yeah. Right. Drop right. like 30 pounds or something. It'll be, yeah, who knows? It'll be curious to see where his, his mindset will be this offseason and the results we'll see come next year yeah that's definitely one i'm excited to watch but another thing i'm excited to watch kind of develop over the next year is did you see the angels are willing to trade mike trout yeah i hinted at it a little bit when we were talking about drafting players in the lineups and if mike trout will be there i mean 
I believe the, the Angels said that if Mike Trout wants to leave, they'll look at trades. Which I think him. is the right the right move for them. I would agree. I mean, I think if anything, they would want to trade Mike Trout because they have, I mean, you know, they didn't have a great farm system, and instead of trading Otani and for like the greatest trade package ever, they sold or that you know they they went for it, which you know this isn't a discussion about that. It is what it is. So, I mean, they're not going to have any talent around Mike Trout really support him you know it's not like they're gonna get better losing Otani this offseason so I feel like they will they would want to trade Mike Trout and get some kind of value for him instead of wasting the remainder of his career there but I think it will be interesting to see how other franchises value him because I mean when was the last time he had a healthy season 2020, and they only played 60 games, right? Or am I mistaken there? I mean, that sounds right, because how old is he, like 32? Um, That sounds – let me just double check. He is – he will be 32 next year. Yeah, so 32. Yeah, his last full season was that – Shortened season in 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, he hasn't really been on the field a ton. He's got a, I mean, a big contract. You're committing a lot of money to to him if you do trade for him. I mean, the Angels could potentially eat part of the contract to get, um, you know, gets better prospects in return. Right. Which I feel like would have to be what they do. But yeah, it'll be, it'll be curious that, to see. I think they should trade him, but maybe that's just the, you know, the baseball fan of me wanting to see Mike Trout in October. Yeah, uh, being the Orange County resident that I am, I would like Mike Trout to <laughs> hang around, but I, I do think that it's in the Angels' best interest, and I think it's in baseball's best interest too. Yeah, um, hey, he could go to the Dodgers. Yeah, if you go to the, or the Padres, they're all right around here. Yeah. How crazy would it be if, like, Shohei signs with the Dodgers and then the Dodgers also trade for Trout? That? I mean, I would not rule that out. The Dodgers have the prospects and the and the money. Now, that would be some – I would love to see them both go somewhere and be on a successful team together. That would be crazy. Imagine the first four batters you have to face being Mookie, Shohei, Trout, Freeman. Yeah, that's something, something like that. Absolutely insane. I mean, what then? JD Martinez and Will Smith to follow that up. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. That'd be fun to watch. That would be. And if they're on the Dodgers, they're bound to win. Like the Dodgers find a way to win every year. Yeah. Dodgers would find a way to keep Mike Trout healthy, and he's going to play like 150 and, and steal be a prime Mike Trout again. Yeah. Yeah, well, that would be, be fun. I, what do you think about how they phrased it, though? Because I feel like the Angels front office has been doing some weird things recently, like calling out 
Shohei and his agent for not wanting to get tested. And then this mm -hmm. time, rather than saying they're going to explore trades for Mike Trout, they said, we'll trade him if he wants to be traded. Like, they're kind of like putting the ball on his court, which feels kind of weird to me. Like, why wouldn't you just, like, go and communicate with him and be like, hey, do you want to be traded? And if he says no, then you don't put out any press release. And if he says yes, then they're like, okay, we're going to explore trades for Mike Trout. Like, I don't understand why they put it out in a way that's like, oh, if Mike Trout wants to be traded, then we'll trade him. Like, just talk to him and find out if he wants to be traded. Well, probably. I mean, I'm assuming he has a no-trade clause so he can, you know, pick where he goes. Right. And, um, I mean, this way, it basically is like, hey, other teams, maybe start planning around Mike Trout being available. And also, it's like, hey, Mike Trout, like, maybe think about where you would want to play next year. Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like in, in soccer over in Europe, it's more common of a practice to be like, yeah, if he wants to go, well, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I guess that's fair. I'm, I'm just not used to that interaction. I thought maybe it put him in a weird spot. Because now if he doesn't go somewhere, it seems like mm -hmm. he wanted to stay in Anaheim, which maybe, I don't know, some people might look at in a bad way, like, oh, he doesn't care about winning. But, like, maybe he chose to stay in Anaheim. Like, he signed this big, long deal with Anaheim before they even got Otani. So, like, clearly yeah, he wanted to be there. So I don't think that him saying that he wants to still be there now is that ridiculous? And I think that them putting it out there, like, if he wants to be traded, we'll trade him. And now if he stays, it's just, I don't know, it looks weird. And all these people that'll, like, you know, come at Mike Trout's career because he hasn't won, this particularly, yeah. like, the Angels saying that we'll move him. And now if he doesn't get moved, they're going to be like, he doesn't have, like, that, you know, killer in him where he wants to go win. And people will criticize him for it. And I think unfairly that's why i think that they should have gone to him but i guess if like the whole we'll trade him if he wants to be traded is kind of more of a commonplace in other sports that i'm just not familiar with then maybe i'm misinterpreting yeah i mean i think it it just depends on perspective where it's like oh you know like look at wainwright constant you know full career with the cardinals like how special that is. You don't see it a ton. So it's like, oh, that's cool. If like, you know, Mike Trout wants to do that. He wants to play his, his whole career with one team. But then you could also phrase it like the way you said, where it's like, he doesn't care about winning. He Look at that. The Angels said that they would trade him and they, uh, he wanted to stay. Like, clearly winning's not that important. So I think it's all just about perspective, you know, we being the media, since we, we own this podcast, uh, can twist any kind of narrative. <laughs> so, and we, will, I mean, and we will always be pro Mike Trout on this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a. I view it as a way of like the Angels like covering all their bases too, where it's like they're like, why won't you trade Mike Trout? You're wasting his career. And it's like, well, see, we we were like, hey, do you do you want to go somewhere else? And he wanted to say, so don't blame us. Don't yell oh, at us. It's like, 
it's like wasting his personally career. trying to save face. Yeah, I mean, like that's that's another angle that could potentially be going on. Yeah, I don't. Or, I don't that take. Or just putting the ball in Mike Trout's court, like we said. So. Right. Right. Well, that'd be interesting. I'd love to see them both go to the same place. I think that'd be fun. I would I agree. Think, it'd be cool. I do think the only place that'd be possible would be the Dodgers, though. I feel like it would be the Dodgers, maybe. The Yankees could maybe do it. They've got the. I feel like they don't have the. I guess maybe. I mean, it would have to be the big spender teams that also have prospects. Maybe the Padres. I mean, I feel like it's all the teams that are linked to most likely for Shohei, you know, Yankees, Mets, Padres, Dodgers. And maybe I can see the Cubs, Cubs being a sleeper, the Giants. Cubs could be cool. Well, not for us, but. Well, yeah, not for us. That'd make the NL Central exciting. I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That'd be bad. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I had for uh, for the pod notes today. Um, I guess we could talk a little bit like some prospects like Pete Crow Armstrong got called up and Jason Dominguez towards UCL. Like, I don't know if you really have anything input there. PCA is going to be fun for the Cubs. I'm glad to see him called up. But he's kind of a defense first kind of guy. His offense has picked up quite a bit this year, but... I don't know. He's more kind of a wait and see kind of guy offensively, but yeah. uh, the Martian, the guy for the Yankees coming up. I mean, he looked really good in towards UCL, and he's going to be out for at least the first half of all next season, which really, really sucks. I don't know if it would be the first half. The recovery time's like six months for position players, so maybe a, a late start to the season, like May. He's DHing. Or something. Because probably yeah. not the aging on their team since they have all the John Carlos and judges. But I mean recovery time for a position player is much shorter. And you don't have to like build them up to like the way you would a starting pitcher. It does just take a while to come back and be the hitter that you were before though, I would say. Yeah. Like it, it I mean, took- I guess for him playing baseball, I imagine he starts the year in triple A. Right. Unless he's just like on fire in spring training. It's like he never missed anything. Yeah. But yeah. Like my thought is just uh like Bryce Harper this year. Like yeah, he came back in I don't remember May or whenever it was that he came back, but he didn't really start hitting until like August. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fair. We could see him come back as a DH sometime early, but hopefully he like builds that back up, and I guess he's young too, so he'll. Yeah, sure I was gonna say. I mean, Bryce Harper is older. Yeah. And we'll have a slower bounce back. Yeah, that's that's also true. All right. Well, um, that's all I had for the pod. It sounded like you maybe had something that you had planned. I did. I did. You know. With you being so busy hosting, having to come up with all these topics and questions to ask us, I feel like we really just don't know who Nick Thiele is. So I have prepared some questions so that we 
the audience can really get to know the Nick Thiele. I don't know. Okay, before we start, I don't. I don't know if you can include yourself in the audience, seeing as you do not listen to this podcast. That might be true, but <laughs> I am in this case. So. Okay. Fair um, enough. I mean, I'm still getting to know you, so we, we as in people getting to know you, then. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. You know, I've got around 10, 11 or so questions to ask. Oh, my goodness. Split split equally with a, a, about half being just non-baseball questions and the other half being baseball questions. So I will start with the non-baseball questions. And okay. um, as the summer wraps up and we begin the fall, what are you most looking forward to in the fall? Not necessarily about fall, but, you know, do you have any big events coming up in these uh, September, October, November months? Uh, I think I'm looking forward to a couple things. I've got um, a friend of mine's wedding, Lee. He's from high school. I'm in his wedding. So that will be very fun. That's in November, the week before Thanksgiving. Yeah, the week before Thanksgiving. Um, and just this semester is really, really relaxed for me. I'm in 14 credits and 10 of them are pass fail. So like, I'm really just kind of, I don't know, like just scooting by at this point, mm -hmm. making sure that I don't fail. So I have yeah. a lot of free time. I'm doing a lot of, you know, free time stuff and it's been, it's been good. I think I'm really going to get into football. Obviously I was really into watching it uh this last weekend and the cowboys seem like they're really good which uh which is great news hopefully that keeps up um yeah yeah i think that's uh that's what i'm most excited for weddings sounds fun. Out of school. sounds nice so you'll be able to have a relaxing semester and then you know enjoy some california vibes yeah, definitely. And it's, you know, the last year I'm in school before I sell my soul and work for the rest of my life. So, yeah, which I guess this kind of segues into my next question is, I feel like a lot of us have some kind of hobby that we all want to pick up, but we just never really get around to it, whether, you know, work, school, just life gets in the way. What's what's one hobby that, you know, given resources and time you would want to pick up i think writing stories um i've always wanted to write a book mm -hmm. and i have like you know ideas and stories and stuff i've always loved like games where i get to create so like you know roller coaster tycoon or you know mm -hmm. like just stuff where i get to kind of like create my own world and i've always liked the idea of writing yeah let, let your creative side flow yeah and i don't know like i've always had a couple ideas for books and stuff and i always want to start writing it but never have really gotten around to doing that so definitely mm -hmm. i think writing stories would you be willing to share one of your book ideas oof um or, or <laughs> genre 
that you yeah. you really would like to write in? Um, I think like a like a fantasy genre would be kind of my go-to. When I when I was in fourth grade, my teacher used to have us all write a short story every week, mm-hmm. and I loved it. It was great. Um, and I like kept on building on one story the whole time. Yeah. And it was I don't know. It's it's like fantasy, like where you've got. I don't know. I have a whole story built up that I could have an entire episode of podcast about, but um, yeah, just that just, can be an off-season podcast. That that'll be an off-season podcast where I go and talk about all of my various various book ideas. I will. I, I'll give you one of them that's like a little bit less developed. Um, I want to do one where there's like meteors that come down and hit like all the major cities and like spread an infection. It'd be kind of like a, like a zombie apocalypse type deal, except yeah. it's, it's more like, it's like alien warfare, but you wouldn't necessarily know it was alien warfare at first. You would think that there was just like, you know, meteors that spread some sort of disease. So the first book would follow like four or five different groups from different cities that all like are fighting to survive as this, you know, virus is coming through and they all end up meeting up kind of at the end of it. But eventually what would happen at the end of the first book is that like the people, the non-infected would win. Like all of the infected would be eliminated, they would die. And then at the end of the book, like I guess there's there would be like some sort of alien race that comes down and touches down onto Earth. And they've been basically planet hopping because they ran out of resources on their own, but they don't want to actually fight because they like, you have to use resources. You would lose, you know, lose beings in the battle. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they just send this virus in and it just kills off all the living things. And then they just come in and take all the resources from the planet. Um, so they would show up and obviously expect everybody to be, you know, dead and gone, but that wouldn't be the case. And then the follow-up book would be like some sort of, you know, engagement battle with the, uh, alien life force that showed up so that's that's one of my ideas it's not obviously very developed um but that's just kind of the general gist gosh can't wait till 2025 when we get these uh published books yeah <laughs> you know, i don't know uh, george r martin or whatever the game of thrones guy's name is oh i would love to because my other story is actually it's not game of thrones-esque but it is like you know, like long time families, like it's actually super developed in terms of like individuals and character development, all that stuff. And it's like, it's sort of Game of Thrones E, like where it's fantasy and there's like some powers. Yeah. And stuff like like that. a so, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, that's, yeah. That yeah. Sort of. Uh... Yeah. And there's a little bit of, in mine, there's like families, like vying for power type deal. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's I'm really excited if I ever actually write that book. I'm very excited. Well, once you're a rich lawyer, you can retire early and <laughs> really pour yourself into writing. I would absolutely love to do that. So I guess talking about uh, Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, my next question was to give me one movie and one TV series where you would like to completely forget everything like you know, Men in Black, your memory's wiped, so you can rewatch it again for the first time. Ooh, this is good. 
Um, also, how are you nailing these transitions? Did you plan these question transitions or is that just happening? I mean, you know, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you're a professional. <laughs> oh, man. But completely wipe my memory and watch it for the first time. I honestly think my TV show would be Game of Thrones. I, I just mine too. I That's just watched it. It is it is a really good one. I just watched it for the first time. I, I think I remember telling you about this. It's it was around I think it was last spring or maybe it was last fall. I can't remember, but it was like kind of recently, honestly. Yeah, I think we were talking about it whenever you were in town and we got lunch together. Yeah, yeah, it's it was absolutely incredible. I loved that experience watching through it. I might actually go through it again here. Just because, like I said, I've got kind of a relaxed semester, so I might go through it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the, the time period in between watches from, like, talking to people in my own experience, it's like once every other year or so is always good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no. So but, I might I might end up having to go back through that. But to do that... You said you've time, only seen it once, right? Yeah, I just watched it for the first time, like, last year. Yeah, I will say this, because I've watched it twice now. And the second time you do kind of pick up some like early season little details that like you wouldn't really know unless you know how the story plays out or just like there's so much information thrown at you all at once that you didn't really pick up on it your first watch. So that second watch you do kind of learn more about the story as well. And yeah. Find those connections. Yeah, I think I'll, I'll probably... I'll probably have to do that here pretty soon, honestly. And then a movie I would watch for the first time again. Um, I don't know. I'm not a huge movie guy. I guess maybe like like Shutter Island is what comes to my mind, and I feel like that's not that great I think of an that's answer. Good. You think I it's think a it's one? a good one, because you need something with a twist. It can't be like a superhero movie where obviously right. the good right. guy wins. So I feel like you need need a twist, and Shutter Island provides the, the twist. I was thinking um, when I was writing the question, I was like Inception maybe for me, which you know another DiCaprio movie. But yeah, just something exactly. that you have to think about, and it's like almost in a Game of Thrones esque, where it's like there's all these twists and little details that once once you watch it for the first time, it's like whoa. But yeah, I think that would be a sure I would be a, a good choice. Yeah, yeah, that's probably that's probably my number one. Yeah, I think those are both uh, pretty solid options. I don't have as good of a transition for this next question, <laughs> unfortunately. But uh, my next question would be, if you were giving a TED Talk, what would the topic be? Ooh. What would the topic be? Um... Or if you were even just giving a, a soapbox speech, something that you would defend uh my first thought 
is I have a couple thoughts. One is like vintage, like Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And when I say vintage, I don't mean like I like I'm talking like N64, GameCube, DS. So like vintage for people my age. Like obviously there's like the SNES and all that stuff that came before it. That yeah. Familiar with. Like I could t- like I could talk about like old Pokemon and Mario Forever. Yeah, um, maybe like what makes them better than the current ones. Right, right. I could definitely talk about something like that. Um, in terms of something that's like maybe even a little bit um, more controversial, I would say um, I could talk about like mass incarceration in the United States. I think I have done a lot of work on stuff like that in law school. And honestly, the things that I'm probably most equipped to talk long periods of time about are either like legal related or like baseball related, I would say, just because I spend mm-hmm. so much time on baseball and working in the legal world. So probably one of one of those topics or Pokemon, probably. I was kind of hoping you were going to say maybe something along the lines with a baseball contracts, because I recall in your undergrad, you reported on like the the value of contracts after you sign them out of crime, you know. Yep. yep. Once baseball players reach free agency, like the 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 money per war earned is drastically lower. Yeah, that was super fun, and I absolutely loved doing that research. And one of the guys at the firm that I'm working at is actually a uh, certified Major League Baseball agent. So I would love mm-hmm. to uh, get to chatting with him and end up in that world eventually. I think that would be incredible, and I'd love that. Just um, a, a side question, not one that I have listed for my, my Nick interview, but have you ever heard or played the game out of the park baseball? No, I haven't. I own it though. I own, which one do I own? I think I own like 2022. I want to say, is it, is it worth playing? Have you played it? I have dabbled a little bit because I'll go in like phases where I'll, uh, I'll like play it nonstop because you can, you can simulate a lot fairly quickly depending on the settings Uh, for the listeners that don't know what out of the park baseball is. It is a uh, game for PC where all it is, is you take control of a major league baseball team and you become the GM basically you can also, or slash manager and it's supposed to be a very realistic simulation, much more realistic than, let's say, a uh, MLB The Show, my franchise GM simulator. <laughs> and you you kind of take it over. You can get grades on how you do, but it's supposed to be like a, a realistic play out of careers. And that you can add on, like, you know, all the other leagues, like the. Japanese baseball league and KBO and pick players from there. And it's, it's just, you know, you basically can run whatever franchise you want and it's supposed to be a realistic simulation. So on the contract side of things, it'd be interesting. You can, you know, run some strategies like that where it's uh, 
you're trying to get the most uh, efficient deals, which I, I guess like some smaller teams do like payroll wise, like you can run the, the Cardinals, like how the Rays run their team or something like that, or just see how your team runs. So I've definitely played it's It's fun. I've, I haven't gone like super deep where it's like, Oh man, like, like now Jordan Walker is the 12 year vet. Cause I've gone so far in the simulation. Right. I've gone like, I think like two or three years max with, a, with a team, but it's interesting. Fun to, fun to do. Well, if you're ever just bored and you got like 30 minutes to kill. Looks like it's on sale. Out of the park baseball 24 is on sale until September 18th. There you so go. I might, I might have to grab that. And like, to like what I've seen out of the park baseball used for most often, I feel like is stuff on social media. It'll be like, mm-hmm. what happens if we play 162 games and every pitch is thrown by Adam Wainwright and every swing <laughs> is taken by, I don't know, every swing is taken by, you know, Jacob DeGrom or something like that. Like Jacob DeGrom batting. I, I don't think yeah. that's obviously a bad example because it would be horrible. But that's I don't kind know. of fun though. I, yeah. I haven't seen any of that, but that'd be kind of fun to see how those simulations play out. I've seen like uh, I think the click productions on YouTube where he does simulations um, for NBA 2K um, where it'll be like redrafting the like 2003 draft and just simulating to see how it plays out or like redrafting from the start of Kobe's career. And then it's like Kobe's going to be like the first pick. Oh yeah. So he goes to a, completely different team so that sounds like something similar to that that you could do where you could like if you can go back and redraft like uh i don't know three years ago and simulate from there yeah it's definitely a a fun game and concept if you really commit to it you can you can do a lot with it i imagine but yeah i got moving on from that if you want or if you have a final thought I was just going to say, I got out of the park baseball 20, which obviously is not four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know. I got it probably like close to when it came out four or five years ago. And I maybe opened it up and like clicked through it a couple times, but I don't think I ever like fully dove in. Like I, I probably didn't even ever like complete all the season. Yeah. I feel like one thing is that it is a, it's not like the smoothest to figure out like you really it's, have to play around with it a bit yeah it's but daunting. one fun thing it's you daunting. could do with that um 2020 version is like take over the cardinals and run the team from then knowing what you know now and then you can also see just how accurate their simulation is yeah that could be fun if you don't want to spend the money but you want to play it yeah like i wonder who did we have on the 20 team was that before we traded uh that was we we didn't have. I believe we got um, we got Arenado the year after 2020, so 2021. Right. So pre, I we would have had Goldschmidt, but no Arenado. Yeah, I so imagine I you couldn't pull off the trade that the Cardinals pulled off in that game. Probably not. Probably not. 
Well, we can move on from that to the next question. Yeah, let's do uh, it. Which is, what can you give me your top three sports events you would want to attend outside of like the baseball world? So no, like world baseball classic no world series okay top events wimbledon final is probably number one you don't need to go in any order either you can just give me your top three and okay okay if you can't decide i guess between a two and a three yeah i'd say wimbledon final uh the super bowl and then, ooh, honestly, this kind of is surprising me saying this, but I think maybe like a World Cup final. Yeah, that'd be a fun one. You know, 2026, the uh, USA is hosting, so it's not a unrealistic you could go yeah i'm pretty sure it's being hosted i guess it's kind of all over isn't it yeah it's like i believe mexico city has some canada has some. i was about to say canada has some too but i think there's some like in orange county that's gonna be right around here yeah california has some i know kansas city was selected as one i believe dc is one new york yeah, be... I think those are all solid ones. I figured you would have a a Wimbledon in there since you were the uh, the star of the Truman Tennis Program. Well, it was short lived, <laughs> but still the star. It wasn't short lived. We the tennis team goes back to like the '60s. I meant your career since oh, the, okay. the team you. got cut. Yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me. Of my, of my senior year being blown into the wind. But, you know, I've thought about that quite a bit. I would have lost my senior year to COVID anyway. True. So, with the team being cut, and that just means I didn't have to practice all fall for no match. Yeah. yeah, I feel like that. Silver I guess that probably would have been more... Uh more heartbreaking since you put on all the work for it and then it was removed. Although another yeah. year of eligibility though, right? You could have come back. I, I could have come back, but I don't think I you, still can. I think there's like a, there was like a period. I don't know. Maybe I could make some sort of petition and play. I mean, I really well, with NCAA, shouldn't you still have another year of eligibility? Um, I think it does work like that, but I think it has to be within three years of when you quit playing. Gotcha. So you wasted that one year? I'm pretty sure I wasted a year of eligibility, yes. but You could have been playing at a, in grad school uh, for one more year. The UCI... Hello. Can you hear me? Hello. Vansel, can you hear me? I can hear you. Can you hear me? 
Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. One of us cut out or something. I don't know. I think I could hear you the whole time. Hopefully, it might have been me that cut out, actually. Mm, I could not hear you. Okay. Well, I was just saying that I, I don't think I could have played for UCI. But mm. also, I never tried. I, I always thought about, like, my first year here, I wanted to email the coach and say, like, hey, if you ever need a hitting partner, I'll go and just hit with the team yeah. and, like, hang out. But I never actually did that. My first year was kind of crazy. I don't really think I could have done that. Well, maybe with your uh, lighter semester, you still could. I guess I could shoot them an email. I guess they, the in-season, I maybe I will. You know what? Maybe I will. I'd probably be a little rusty now, but. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know uh, what resources their their tennis program has, but that doesn't mean that they couldn't use another another helper. Yeah. Yeah. And what do they have to lose? If I come there and they don't want me to come around anymore, they just say don't come around anymore, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> moving on to the baseball side of the interview question, since this is a baseball podcast. Oh, man. Um, so as as we've uh, discussed on the podcast previously, you were not always a huge baseball fan. So I was curious if there was like a signature moment that, uh, you know, really piqued your interest in baseball and got you attracted to the game. Yeah. So I would say it was 2015, the season of 2015, which would have been my senior year, my junior into my senior year of high school. I don't remember why it happened. But all my friends in high school decided that we wanted to get a fantasy baseball league together. And we did. And it just took over the entire, like, class. Like, I don't remember exactly what the reason was why we started. But, I mean, my school was pretty small. We only had, like, 90 kids. So, mm -hmm. and 90 kids in my whole class. So there's only, like, 40 40, 50 guys. Yeah. And our fantasy league was like 12 guys. So it's like, <laughs> you know, that's like 25% of the guys in the entire class are in this fantasy yeah. league. So we're like, teachers literally had to ban talking fantasy trades at school <laughs> because that's all we would do is we would just talk about like trading players back and forth. And I just got really, really into it. And that was the year that like, uh, Batista and um, Edwin Encarnacion and uh, Josh Donaldson, that super fun Blue Jays team. Yeah. And I just, I had Edwin Encarnacion on my fantasy team. And I just, I don't know, I just, it really hooked me. And I've been in a fantasy league every single year since. I've not missed a single year. And mm -hmm. I, it's just, it really hooked me. I don't know what it was, but fantasy baseball just really was exciting to me. Your competitive drive. Drove you to, you had to pay attention so that you could win. Yeah. Yeah. And I started like listening to the CBS podcast guys. I've been listening to them for eight years now. That's insane. Wow. Back when Adam Azer used to host the podcast, they used to do, I don't know if anybody listens to this podcast or you even listen to the CBS guys, but they do like the Kokomo Friday where they play the Kokomo yeah. song before the show. I remember when mm -hmm. they used to play the Kokomo song before every single show. I did not realize that they played that before every show. 
Yeah, they used to play it before every single show, and then they changed it to be like a Kokomo Friday. And now it's just, it's such a treat for me on Fridays when I wake up and I get to hear the Kokomo song. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much what did it. It was fantasy baseball that really got me into it. That's kind of crazy that you've been listening to the CBS podcast longer than you've known me. Yeah, yeah, I've I've known uh, Adam Azer and Scott White. And Chris Towers longer than I've known you. Yeah. Crazy. That is crazy. That is a good answer, though. I like it. All right. Well, the next question is, since the Cardinals will not be making the playoffs, what team are you rooting to make and win the World Series? Ooh, that is a great question. Um, shoot, that is a really good question. I think I've got, I'll say two teams. I'll pick an AL and an NL. Okay. I think in the NL, I'm going to be, I think I'm going to be rooting for the Dodgers. And I know that a lot of Cardinals fans, that's not going to sit well with. But I really like Mookie. I really like Freddie Freeman. I like that they traded for Kike, even though he was playing horribly. Like, he's just a great team guy to have around. I don't know. And they just, like, I don't know. I just like the Dodgers as an organization. I read uh, Jackie Robinson's book, and I just think that, like, the whole move out west that they did and obviously Mm -hmm. the stuff they did with Jackie Robinson, like, I just really respect that franchise. Obviously, my roommate is a huge Dodgers fan. So it would be fun, I think, being with my roommate, watching Dodgers playoff games and watching them win the World Series. I think that would be fun. All makes sense. Um, And in the AL, I think I'm going to say, and it kind of sucks that I'm saying this, but I'm going to say the Orioles. The reason why I say it sucks that I'm saying this is because if the Orioles win this year, they're still so young. Like, they have so many years left to win. Um, not that I would be bummed if they won this year, but I do think they're my favorite team in the AL right now in terms of the players. So I think it'd be really yeah. cool to see them win. Like I said, it would be a little bit of a bummer because they're still so young. And if they are, like, the best team in the majors this year, then, like, it doesn't really leave much of an open door like, they're Makes only going to get better. And same with the yeah. Braves. Braves are only going to get better. So, if the Orioles and the Dodgers face off in the World Series, which team are you rooting for? I think probably the Dodgers. Okay. Because, like I said, the Orioles are young. They'll have tons of time. And I like a lot of the people on their team, but they're all so young. They'll have plenty of time to win another one. All right. Well, that segues into my next topic, talking about young players, is uh, which out of the young emerging MLB players do you want to see like reach their ceiling, stay healthy, and just ensure, like if you could pick one that you could ensure reaches their ceiling and had a full career, which player would it be? So you're saying reaches their ceiling and has a full career. So I imagine if the player is seemingly already at his ceiling, then I can't pick him. So, like, I can't say Ronald Acuna. 
I mean, you can. We don't know. His ceiling might be higher. Yeah, that's fair. We don't know what his ceiling truly is, but I mean, let's just say, you know, they're they're going to be a Mike Trout in his prime where it's like he's going to have a top two MVP voting type of season every season and just stays healthy throughout his career. You know, Mike Trout kind of had that, but then injuries have hampered him. So it would be like if you pick Mike Trout, if I asked this question in like 2016, 2017, you pick Mike Trout, injuries don't hamper him and he just can kind of be at his prime and, you know, as he ages, obviously, his skills will decline, but injury-free, just reaches the top of their game and no controversies surrounding them either. Yeah, you had I to think... pick one to have their ideal career. I think I'm actually going to go pitcher here. And okay. the reason I'm going to go pitcher is because I think pitchers are affected by injury a lot more. And mm-hmm. I think we're we're losing a lot of big pitchers around the league. Like, they're kind of aging out of the game. Like, you know, between Chris Sale, like Scherzer's obviously still good. Garrett Cole's still good. But, like, Verlander's on his way out. Kershaw's probably on his way out. Like, all these huge name pitchers, I feel like we're losing a little bit. And I feel gotcha. like we're all we're always gonna have plenty of hitters, but in terms of a pitcher that's gonna consistently go like seven, eight innings and look really dominant, I think the game is really good. The game in the next like ten years is really gonna lack that. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go with Yuri Perez. Yuri Perez, I like that. I like that answer. And I also tried to like stay away from guys on my dynasty team because obviously I'm a little biased there. But I thought, yeah, yeah, I think I'm gonna go Yuri Perez. Which I did mean to preface this question by saying take out like Cardinals and your dynasty team bias. So glad right. that you did that without me having to say it. Yeah, because obviously um, I wanted to say like Acuna, Gunnar Henderson, like all these guys in my dynasty. Yeah. Team, but, like... No, Just I think purely say... as a baseball fan. Yeah, I think I'm gonna say Yuri Perez. Like I want Yuri Perez to be like Kershaw. You know, I want him to be Verlander. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, even Kershaw kind of had his career derailed by injuries, so. Yeah, that's true. I don't know the if tail hear, end of his career. I don't know if you can hear Dizzy, but she's meowing at me. I'm going to let her out of my room, but I can still hear you if you want to ask tee up the next question. I could hear Dizzy. I thought that uh, Dizzy was just supporting your answer. Um, but I guess building off that question, since uh, I am the interviewer and these are my questions, do you have a position player in mind as well that uh, – you would want to see have that a uh, their ideal career. Okay, taking out my fantasy bias and yeah. my Cardinals bias. Just as a pure baseball fan, who, what position player would you want to see have their best career possible? And you can erase any past blunders. We'll say too. Hmm. Maybe so. I've got a couple names come to mind. I'm thinking either Adley or Jackson Holiday. I think if Jackson Holiday comes up, because he's what 19 right now, I believe so. I think. If he makes his debut like at the end of this year, maybe not even at the end of this year, he just starts up when he's 20. 
and has his ideal career, I think that would be really, really cool. That and would then, be special. Adley, I just something gets me going about a switch hitting catcher. Like, and I just I really like Adley. He's got a good personality. He's on a good young team, and I think just the catcher position is one that's very unique in that like the longevity at the position is kind of mm-hmm. i mean it's I, I shouldn't say it's hard to find because there's a lot of catchers that have been in the league for a long time like you have you know like mccann and you know the guys that just like stay yeah. around for a long time but it's just like they're not really like they're just guys you know yeah they're not star offensive players right they're so not two-way what, guys if you will right so so what i want to see is a guy like Adley stick in the league for a long time and be an incredible defensive catcher while also like putting the offensive numbers up and on a good young team like the Orioles. Mm-hmm. And you know yeah. that I'm not putting my fantasy bias in because I traded him away a couple of years ago and really regret it. <laughs> that is true. But you also did predict Adley to have a bad season. I did. I, I, I not necessarily a bad season, just like, Counting stats, I thought this year would be lagging behind. Yeah. Which I'm not actually sure that they really have been. They, ha- I mean, he's only at 18 homers, which I think an ideal season for him might look like, you know, 25 or 30. So, honestly, mm-hmm. actually, this season's just been really good for him. Like, there's no really – there's no way around it. He's hit a lot of doubles. <laughs> he's hitting 272. Like, he's just been really good. Yeah. Well, I like both of those answers, uh, Yuri Perez and uh, Adley slash Jackson Holiday. I think if both, all three of those guys stay healthy and really deliver on their hype, it'll be very fun to watch for a long time. Yeah, um, and I know you said no, no Cardinals bias sneaking in, but the Jackson Holiday is a little bit like I want to see Matt Holiday's kid just absolutely turn mm-hmm. up. Well, isn't his uh, younger brother supposed to be even better? I did – I don't know if he's supposed to be better, but I know that I saw a video of, I think, his 16-year-old brother swinging yeah. a baseball bat, and it was incredible. Like, he was Well, just, it's like his physical traits are already, like, a, pretty close to equivalent to Jackson. Like, height, yeah. size. That's insane. That so, I need, so I need to plan on, like, a 2025 uh, Dynasty tank is what I'm seeing. Good luck with that. Uh, I don't think your team will be a, in a tanking position in two years. I could I could sell off, but we'll see. You're probably right. You could, but I just don't know if that'd be worth for one player. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, again, with the Cardinals not being that great this year, we need to make some offseason moves. So if you were the GM this offseason, Give me one free agent signing you would make and one trade you would make. Doesn't have to be a full trade package, but who are you sending away and who would you want to get? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, a free agent move I would want to make is I want to get uh, Yamamoto from Japan. Um, he just threw another no hitter I think this last mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah, I believe so. In front of like 29 MLB teams. And I think the Cubs were the team that I saw that wasn't there, and they have a scout coming next week for his next start. 
yeah, he's just been incredible. He's having the best year of his mm-hmm. career in Japan. And with how we've seen how well uh, Kodai Senga has really turned it on, like he honestly might get some Cy Young votes. He's been really, really yeah. good down the stretch. But also the NL Cy Young race is pretty bad. But I do think he'll get some votes, and he's been so good. I think Yamamoto is going to be a huge free agent signing this offseason, and I would love to see the Cardinals get him. Okay. As for somebody I'd like us to trade for, hmm, I feel like it's got to be a pitcher, and I would want him to have some years of control left. You know, I, I Logan Gilbert. I think I would want Logan Gilbert. Okay. I, I I really I like the way that he pitches. He's he's just really solid. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. His control is good. He has the swing and miss stuff. His arsenal is there. I I think he would be a good trade. And there isn't a lot of like tinkering that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. There there are guys in the league. I'm trying to think of some names like. Edward Cabrera for the Marlins obviously could be a guy you could look at, or even like Lizardo, his teammate. Yeah. That I think have like just ridiculous tools, but I think they are like walking too many guys and just have like holes in their game mm-hmm. that I'm not confident the Cardinals could plug. Yeah, their floor is a bit lower. Right, right. So I want a guy with a little bit higher of a floor, which I think this year. Logan Gilbert has pretty much proven that his floor is pretty high, as well as his ceiling. So I think Logan Gilbert is probably the guy I'd want to go out and get. But I can't imagine that they're going to want to be moving him anytime soon. Well, they do have a lot of starting pitcher depth and not a lot of offensive depth. Yeah, that's true. I I mean, I have heard our name linked a lot with the the Mariners and – they're young, controllable starting pitchers with the potential to go out and get one. So if we are trading Logan Gilbert, we got to give up someone. So who are we giving up? Who in are your, we uh, giving up? In your GM mind. I imagine it's got to be realistic here. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to. Yeah. Can't be like Luke and Baker. Juan Yepes. Obviously, if. You know, Logan Gilbert's a solid player, as we just mentioned. So we got to give up a solid player in return. I think we could probably get him for Nolan Gorman and um, uh, Brendan Donovan. And I would send those two guys for Logan Gilbert. Yeah. I don't hate that. I do really like Nolan Gorman, though. I feel like he's shown a lot this year which, you know, obviously makes his trade value high. I'm probably also just saying that because I, I have him in Dynasty and I picked him up in Redraft. So it's you know, been seeing his progress is like double and triple been rewarded for me, which makes me a little more hesitant to want to trade him. But seeing as, you know, as we said, we've got a good offense and some depth there. And the real bad need for starting pitcher, you know, 
that might be a realistic trade that happens this year. Yeah, and I think that exactly what you said, like Nolan Gorman has shown a lot this year, and that's why I think we could get a guy that's really good. Mm -hmm. Like I'm pretty sure Gilbert has like three more years of control, if I'm not mistaken, or at least two. Yeah, Um, at least two for sure. Yeah, definitely two, but I would think three. And he's shown to be like pretty darn Mm -hmm. good. So I think he would obviously cost a lot. Yeah. Um, And Donovan and Gorman, I think – their trade values are both very high right now and maybe higher than their actual values. I'm not saying that neither of them are like good players, but I think that their trade values both might be a little bit higher than their actual values right now. Mm -hmm. I think Norman strikes out too much. And I think Donovan is kind of a glorified slap hitter, like a off brand Luis Arise. I guess he showed a little bit more power this year, but I don't know. I, I, I think Brendan Donovan is. Plus, really you have good. Um, you got the defensive side of things that Brendan Donovan provides as well. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Which, I like uh, Brendan Donovan. When a you lot. said that pairing, my one concern was if we trade both of them, we have Tommy Edmund starting at second, and then we don't. We kind of lose that utility guy. But I guess we did trade for um, uh, the guy from the Rangers, Thomas. Sagacy or whatever his name is. Yeah. He kind of fits that utility build. I don't, I imagine it would be probably a little decrease in defense and a little boost in offense. I mean, Mason Wynn is really good at shortstop. Yeah, but I'm talking about second base. Oh, yeah. I'm saying Tommy Edmond would start at second. And then, you know, both of those, Brennan Donovan would be our utility guy with Tommy Edmond being at second base, but then trading Brennan Donovan we lose that utility guy that I feel like the Cardinals have really relied heavily on having that piece for a while, probably since Edmonds come up. Yeah. We do love a good utility guy. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if they, again, I don't know much about the defense of the, the Thomas Sagacy, whatever his name is, but I know he does play all over the infield and outfield. Yeah, so, and he's been playing well, too. Yeah. So if he uh, can come up and kind of fill that utility role, then, you know, sad to see Gorman and Donovan go because, I, I mean, I do like both of them, but we need that rotation. Yeah, I think that'd be – if we did both of those things, oof, we, we could be good. Yeah, we get that uh, like a – Ceiling two and Logan Gilbert, like floor three, maybe four guy and then the potential ace. And that kind of really solidifies our, our like one of our main areas of weakness this year. Yeah, definitely. All right. My next question, I've got two more questions left. So the second to last one is Rob Manfred just called you. He's a big fan of the Chen Music podcast. He thinks you're the smartest out of all of all of the people <laughs> on it. And he showed us he showed the podcast to all the owners and they all agree. They're like, this guy is very smart. He's got the best takes, best opinions. We need this guy to, you know, really improve baseball. So they give you permission to make one rule change. What rule change are you making? 
Ooh, interesting. You know, I I was thinking about this just the other day, actually. Not specifically what rule change I would make if I could only make one. But I, I guess I was thinking about the extra innings base runner mm -hmm. and making it, just getting rid of it. But I don't know if I feel passionate enough about that for it to be my one rule change. Yeah, you only get the one. I only get one rule change. Hmm. Yeah, they don't quite trust you enough to make two. Yeah. <laughs> they were talking me up, though, so much. Yeah, well, maybe this one's a trial run. If this rule change is, proves to be successful, maybe they'll call you back. And I don't know, like, reverting a rule change that they've done already feels bad, too. I mean, yeah, I kind of agree. I feel like that'd be a waste of a rule change. You, you're not really stamping the game with your uh, your own input. You're just right. kind of reverting right, exactly. it back. Exactly. And I don't know that that's worth it. I don't know if this counts, but I would want to see more uniqueness in the stadiums like stuff like the green monster mm -hmm. and like the left field in houston with the train tracks and like i think if there's some sort of rule you could input to like encourage each team to have some sort of like a unique feature in their stadium it's your rule you want to have to encourage them you would be telling them i would be telling them like, if you want to be a major league franchise, you have to have something unique, something that really attracts fans to the games and tourists. Ooh, actually, okay, no, I'm changing it. My rule okay. change. Your rule change. If it's my rule change, I think, oh, man, this is tough. Because my thought is I would do relegation. Okay. Um, because I think the the teams that are ruining the game right now are not ruining the game. But if there was any, but if the game was being ruined, it would be being mm -hmm. ruined by like the A's. Yeah, because like not, I don't even. Yeah, the the A's specifically. Because like even the Nationals, you know that they're they just won in 2019 and like they did a full rebuild and all that kind of stuff they had a couple of bad contracts in rendon and strasburg like i don't necessarily blame them for what's going on and going on in uh dc right now yeah i mean it's definitely different for like a rebuild what they're doing versus what the athletics are doing yeah i i think Maybe I would just, if there's any way that I could force owners like Oakland to, like, pay players or to, like, so invest. like a in minimum salary? Yeah, a minimum salary I think could be good, but I don't know how that really works out, like, economically speaking. 
like if the minimum salary would just cause for some sort of inflation of salaries and then well i believe currently the smaller market teams get like part of the profits that mlb makes yeah so maybe in order to yeah in order to be part of the profit sharing you have to spend a certain amount of money and that might already be a thing but maybe raising that minimum amount yeah or maybe i i would just i would just make relegation a thing i think but yeah. it would have to be so what relegation i guess would look like because i know in the premier league the way that it works is if you lose or you get like bottom three or bottom two or bottom one or whatever in the league, you just get automatically bumped. Yes. Bottom three get sent down. So I wouldn't want it to be like an automatic bump. I would want it to be something like if you're in last place in major league baseball at the end of the year, you have the absolute worst record then you have to play a seven game series against like the triple a world series winner and whoever wins that seven game series is in major league baseball yeah the only issue would be like if the cardinals are the minor league world series winner they want to you know you so there's two cardinals teams up you know like that's their their team yeah, you're right. This rule you need work. like, what about? If... Okay, I changed my rule. I changed my rule. I changed my rule. I changed my rule. My rule is that baseball is worldwide, and that okay. Major League Baseball, the World Series, actually becomes the World Series. We get a team in Mexico. We put a team down in, you know, Dominican Republic. We have Japanese teams. We have. You know, that that's that's my rule change. I want I want league expansion, and I want it to be worldwide. Okay, I don't mean to step on your rule, but what if like the winner of the World Series was entered into a tournament with the winners of the leagues of all the other baseball leagues? So like, team that wins the Japanese season and the kbo winner and mexican league winner all just at end of the season tournament yeah that probably makes a little bit more sense like geographically because obviously Mm -hmm. having to travel and do away games like in japan and stuff is like i mean that's almost impossible to do within a season so your rule does seem to make more sense than my rule. <laughs> but I still want a team in Mexico, is what I'll say. <laughs> okay. You know, my answer to this was going to be allowing players to steal first on, like, a pass ball or something. But, hey, you're taking real advantage of uh, having your one rule change. Yeah, I want, I want a team in Mexico. <laughs> okay. So you're expanding with your one rule change. Yes, I'm expanding. Okay. And uh, I'll allow know, I guess, it. I guess I don't get multiple rules. But if I could have another rule, when the A's go to Vegas, they have to change their name and change their look. And 
the athletics look stays in Oakland, and if anybody ever wants to revive it, they can do that. So whenever there's the Mexican expansion team, there's also another team in Oakland that keeps the Oakland A's brand. Exactly. So Because you need even amounts of teams. Exactly. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'll allow it. It's it's passed. Congratulations. Let's go. Thanks, Rob. All right, and the final question is any past – which of all the past MLB moments do you wish you could see live if you had to pick one? This is tough. Because obviously you want to say World Series Game 6, 2011. Mm-hmm. But but I don't know. Maybe that's just the answer. Um, I, I could think of a couple others. Like maybe I'd want to see like a perfect game thrown. Felix's perfect game. Yeah, that would be pretty That'd be a cool electric. one. Oh, who was it? Um, was it Roy Holiday that threw the no hitter in the playoffs? Yeah, that would be pretty electric. At home, that would be crazy. Or like, didn't Pools have a three homer game in the playoffs too? I'm sure he's probably played a lot. Or what about that game where he like broke the Astros closer? Yeah. But also, when you say cool when you say all of baseball history, it makes me want to like go back and watch Jackie Robinson debut. Yeah, you could do that. Because kind of like I was talking about before with the Dodgers, like I just read that book and like just the whole franchise. Like I just respect that franchise a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think going back and watching Jackie Robinson debut might have to be my answer. What about a Billy Hamilton's best day. Ooh. See, I saw, I had to have seen one of Billy Hamilton's best days live for real because he robbed a Matt Carpenter home run and he stole like two or three bases that day. Yeah. What about like when he first came up and like nobody had speed, speed like that and he's just like, you remember that play where he tagged up and like scored, scored on a like basically base. an infield fly? Oh, I remember that too, yeah. Just some Billy Hamilton shenanigans on the base path. Yeah, that could be fun too. Yeah, I think There's I would a lot have to. Of options. With, yeah, I think I'd have to do the the Jackie Robinson though. Have you seen the Jackie Robinson movie um, that came out where uh, what's the actor's name that played Black Panther? Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, where he plays Jackie Robinson. I have not seen that movie. It's based on the book that I read, though, so I should I should see it. Seems like something right up your alley based off this interview. Yeah, I've heard I've heard really good things about the movie, but I, yeah. I remember because I wanted to watch it right when it came out, but then I was like, no, I should read the book first, and then it took me forever to read the book, and then I just never got around to watching the movie. Yeah, I've never seen it either, but. I want to. I should. 
Maybe they uh, will be on the next content update as I get around to watching 42. Yeah, I should do that too, actually. Maybe that'll be a content update for me in the near future as well. Well, first, what, what did I have to watch again? What, what were we talking about earlier? I guess I said I was going to rewatch Game of Thrones, but... Uh, you said that. I was talking about Rex. Welcome to Rex, man, at the beginning. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I think the Jackie Robinson movie will probably be a little less of a commitment than a whole documentary that, True. that's still coming out. Docu-series, I guess. True. Well, dang. That was an interview. Is that it? Is there more? That's all the questions I had. Well, that was fun. I'll have to... Uh, I feel like I should prepare some questions. I guess I do have questions like this for you all, but it's just like one question. Mm-hmm. But usually they're you know, a little bit more in jest. Yeah. A little more uh, passing questions, not a really getting to the bottom of something. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll have to have an interview question for one interview question for each of you, each, each show. Cause I liked that quite a bit. Well, maybe um, I'm sure there'll be another time where there'll be a one-on-one podcast opportunity. And maybe, maybe then you can be the interviewer. Yeah, we'll have to flip the script. Yeah. Well, that was very fun. You have any uh, any uh, closing thoughts for our for our dedicated fans that stuck it out? Yeah, shout out to Paul. Um, he's been really busy lately, as in like these last three days. It seems like, and by three days, I mean like two days. Uh, so shout out, Paul. Keep up the grind. Um, if anyone be Johnson, it do be Lyndon B. Johnson. Um, yeah. What? Paul will get it. Okay. Paul will get it. Okay. You know. Also, if anyone uh, is, go ahead. I was just going to say, if anyone be Johnson, Lyndon B. Johnson. <laughs> okay. Also, uh, also, shout out Brock. Shout out Ben. We missed those guys today. Um, also shout out Braves lineup. Please stop hitting home runs. Cheating. Stop cheating. Please stop hitting home runs. Because they're cheating. I, I, we were not spreading this. I guess maybe this could be a good way that we could, uh, we could really, you know, make the rounds on social media if we really get like some (laughs) credible. Think about the documentary that's going to come out about the Braves cheating scandal. Yeah. I think it will blow the Astros one out of the water. I mean, the Astros cheating skill is that what I guess John Boy got big off other things, but I think that helped when John Boy was getting big. He like helped go yeah. through and I mean, he broke it. Players. He broke down the cheating scandal for people. Yeah, really visualize it. So maybe yeah. that'll be us. Yeah, maybe. But then we really have to break it down. Yeah. Yeah, we need to figure out how they're cheating and if they're cheating. Yeah. But weren't the Astros only doing it in the playoffs? Braves were doing it in the regular season. No, they were doing it all year long. Were they? Yeah. All right, well, they were only doing it at home games. Braves are doing it everywhere. True, true. And I guess congrats. Allegedly. 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 I guess congrats, Matt Olson, for tying the Atlanta Braves season record for home runs at 51 congrats i guess cool it's really sick yeah if you're listening maddie old 
Yeah, congrats, man. All right, well, that's all I got. Peace.